0: Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Good morning, my friends. Please pray with me. God, as we approach your scriptures this morning, we approach with hearts that are eager to hear your truth. We don't always hear you clearly. There is a lot of distraction. There's a lot of noise. There are a lot of things to do. There's lists to be accomplished. There are things to look forward to. So we ask, Lord, that in this moment, we might focus our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind on you and your voice and your calling. May we know you better today than we did yesterday. And though we are imperfect, we know that our imperfection is no obstacle for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're having a little bit of group participation today. You ready? Raise your hands if you have been around the Christian church long enough that most Bible stories like this one are familiar and understandable to you. Raise your hands if most stories are familiar and understandable to you. Raise them high. Okay, thank you. Next. Now, raise your hand if you're new enough to the Christian church that many stories, perhaps like this one, still feel new and unexplored. Raise your hands if that's you. Raise them up high. Come on. Good. That's helpful. Thank you. Now, here's the last one. How many of you feel like you have been around the church for a really long time, But you still feel like there are many verses and stories in scripture, perhaps like this one, that you don't understand or that still feel unfamiliar. Raise them high. That's helpful. Thanks. I lied. This is really the last one. How many of you really feel like you have a firm handle on the meaning of this particular passage in scripture? How many of you feel like you got this? Awesome. You, you want to share any of your thoughts? <laughs> not that long. For me, passages, scripture passages like this one are not really easy to digest. Not because they're not hard to digest because they're not plain. I think that Jesus is being very plain here. Uncomfortably plain. And that's part of the reason why this passage is difficult. Because this passage sounds polarizing between two things, blessings and woes. And because it can sound as though blessings are being doled out to some and woes are being doled out to others. And so if some people in the world get blessings and some people in the world get woes, then what side do you and I fall into? It can be anxiety-inducing for Christians who are hoping to be faithful, and who are wondering if they are being faithful enough when they are being judged by the standards of an unseen God. Passages like this can make us question if Jesus really did come to give good news for everyone, or if Jesus came to give good news to some and woes to others. Am I alone in that or not? Raise your hand if you're with me. Raise my Good. So perhaps it's important for us to clarify before we go any further that Jesus isn't sorting apples and oranges in our scripture passage for this morning. Jesus isn't in the business right now as he's speaking to his disciples on the plane. He's not in the business of separating the sheep from the goats. He's not dividing people from people. Jesus is never about dividing people from people of his account. Rather, Jesus is talking about what we value most and how we prioritize that value. And then Jesus is illustrating what the kingdom values so that his disciples can adhere to them. We're going to go through this slowly. So we're going to take the scripture passages in two chunks. First, we're going to look at Jesus' words of blessing. And then we're going to look at Jesus' words of woe. What does it mean to be woeful, by the way? Do you know? Any ideas? Are you happy if you're woeful? No, you're sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, I saw it. No, going back now. Okay, to be pitied on. Yeah, to like be pitied on, to be sorry sorrowful, right? Worthy of pity even, right? Woeful's not something that we like blessings. We don't really like woes. So we're going to start with the blessings. We're going to go to the woes. And then in order to help us out, we're going to refer a little bit to how Eugene Peterson, uh, who Eugene Peterson is a PCUSA ministry, He's a professor of ancient languages. He's a prolific writer. So we're going to check out how Eugene Peterson translates these words in his paraphrase from the message. So... Let's start with the blessings because who doesn't love blessings? Am I right? That's right? Now I want you to play along with me again. Just for the heck of it, call out some of the blessings that you experience in your life. Share with the group. Grandchildren, grandchildren, definitely a blessing. Grandparents, Grandparents definitely a blessing. That was a good one. Family, Family. yeah, totally. What else? Health. Yeah, health, wealth, and security, right? We can say those three. Get all of them knocked out at once. What else? Love. Love. Totally. Great food. Great food. Oh, Jenny, woman after my own heart. Church. Church. Totally. Church. I don't know who said that, but that's a good one. And I'm glad that it was a blessing because sometimes it's a woe. <laughs> There's a lot of blessings that we experience in this life. Three years ago, or three years ago. Oh my gosh, it already feels like three years. It was three weeks ago that I moved here from Texas. (laughs) Three weeks ago, I moved here from Texas. And in Texas, it was really common for people to answer the question, how are you, with the answer, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And I always took that to mean that they felt like they had what they needed and then some. They felt like they weren't in need of anything, that they could be grateful for what they had. That's how I always interpreted it. But to be honest, I never really knew what it meant, which is sort of night and day when we think about it, right? When we talk about blessings, we talk about the relationships, the fulfilling relationships we have with family and friends. We talk about health and wealth and security we talk about being included in a community of faith in a way that's meaningful to us that's how we talk about blessings we talk about them about having what we need and maybe a little bit more and it's night and day to how jesus describes blessings in today's passage jesus says this blessed are the poor he says Blessed are the hungry, blessed are the weeping, because the poor and the hungry and the mournful people will be the ones who fill the kingdom of God, who are filled with the kingdom of God, who are filled with laughter. Jesus, in saying this, he's not crafting a riddle here. He's not speaking in code. What Jesus is saying is very plain. And to those he was speaking at at the time... First century Jews who were living under the oppressive rule of the Romans, second class citizens with no true power, no true agency, with minimal finances and minimal access to opportunity and security, to these people that Jesus was speaking to at the time, hearing that the poor would be blessed and that the hungry in the morning would be fed and joyful, that was good news. That was the gospel, plain and simple. It didn't need any explanation. Jesus says to them, without qualification, blessed are the desperate. And yet for those of us who are hearing these words over 2,000 years later, hearing these words while sitting in the comforts of one of the wealthiest towns in the nation, Maybe those words are not so comfortable to sit with, and they shouldn't be. Living in our society, we very quickly brush over the experiences of the poor. We do it for a variety of reasons, and I say this without judgment. Sometimes we do it because we're fearful. Sometimes we do it because we are disdainful. But we don't often pause to think about how the experience of poverty can shape holiness. But here's Jesus saying as plain as day that there are kingdom values being embodied in the experiences of people who are poor and hungry and weeping. So then what are those values? That's what we can question next. What are those values? And so here's how Eugene Peterson hears it. Here's how he translates it. He says, you are blessed when you've lost it all. God's kingdom is there for the finding. You are blessed when you are ravenously hungry. Then you are ready for the messianic meal. You are blessed with the tears that flow freely because joy comes with the morning. You see, as Peterson sees it, it's not that people have to be poor to possess the kingdom of God. But it's crucial that they understand how to shake themselves free of the treasuring anything or anyone before God. It's not that people have to be physically starving in order to be filled. But they must know firsthand how to live with a longing and ravenous pit in their stomach while they wait urgently for the kingdom to break in. It's not that people have to be weeping in order to experience laughter. But we have to be vulnerable enough to cry about the things that God cries about, to feel and allow ourselves to feel the deep expanses of compassion and empathy that spring from the source of God's eternal love. And to sacrifice our emotional and physical comfort for the benefit of those around us because we are asked to be like Jesus who sacrificed his physical and emotional comfort for our eternal living, for our fullness of life. When we hear this passage for today, it's not that we as people are being sorted into categories of people who will be blessed and people who will be woeful. But Jesus is sorting our values and our priorities, no doubt. Jesus is sorting our values and priorities at the same time that He is affirming that these priorities, these kingdom priorities, might be easier for the poor and the hungry in the morning to figure out than it will be for the wealthy and the fulfilled and the gleeful. He's giving us a highlight, a warning, a fact of how it is. He's not giving us a judgment. But then that still brings us to the woes, right? Get yourselves comfortable. He says this, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, that good reputation that you have. For that is what their ancestors did to false prophets. Friends, this is what Jesus is saying and he's saying it to us. These are not easy words. We cannot try to spiritualize these things away. We can't relevatize them. We can't make them more palatable Jesus just listed all of these things as woes, and they're the same things that we list as our blessings. Jesus just said that all the best things in life are financial security and comfort, good food and laughter with good friends. Jesus just said that all of the best things in our life will eventually bring us sorrows. Jesus never meant for these words to be palatable, to the wealthy, stable, and comfortable. But friends, by global means for sure, we are all wealthy, stable, and comfortable. So how do we take Jesus' words seriously without succumbing to defensiveness or judgment or shame? How do we take Jesus' words seriously without just sort of skipping over them to the parts that we like better. Let's go back to Peterson. He translates the woes as this. Listen carefully. But it's trouble ahead of you if you think you have it made. What you have is all you'll ever get. And it's trouble ahead of you if you're satisfied with yourself. Yourself will not satisfy you for long. And it's trouble ahead of you if you think that life is all about fun and games. There's suffering to be met, and you're going to meet it. Now, friends, nothing about how Peterson words these woes lightens the weight of what Jesus is saying to his disciples to either then or to us today but it does offer us some hope in perspective. If we are smug at the state of our lives and if we are self-congratulatory at our life station, then that satisfaction will be our only reward. You want to know why? Not because we're cursed, but because we won't be looking to enjoy the gifts that other people's lives offer to us if we think that we got to where we are just by our bootstraps and elbow grease alone, then we are not cursed. We will just be unprepared for when we find ourselves failing and having to be picked up and dusted off and set right by those around us and by the God who sets us forward. If we seek only our personal happiness and our selfish preferences, it's not that we're being cursed. It's that we won't recognize the eternal joys of heaven when they come. Because our personal happiness and God's personal happiness are not the same thing. It's true that Jesus came to give us good, to give some good news and to give some woes, but not in the way that we think. It's not two separate messages for two separate sets of people. It's not one of promise and one of sorrow. Jesus comes to us with the same message for everyone. And it's singular. You can say it in one sentence. His message is the kingdom of God is near. It's the way he kicked off his ministry and it's the way he went out. The kingdom of God is near. One message for all. But you know what? To some, that sounds like good news. And to others, it sounds like bad news. That's why there are blessings and woes. It sounds like good news to the desperate, be they the financially desperate, the nutritionally desperate, the emotionally desperate. And it sounds like good news to the people who are desperate for the kingdom of God to show up now, in all of its fullness, in all of its eternity. And it sounds like a woe to the people who can't imagine their life being any better than it is now, who finds their ultimate happiness in the life that they have created for themselves, who perhaps accept that the day of Jesus' return is coming, but pray it really isn't today. The message is the same. The kingdom of God is near. The message is the same for all of us who hear it, but it's the hearer who will interpret the eternal value in their life. Throughout these blessings and woes, Jesus is really just saying over and over again the same thing. Jesus is saying, blessed are the desperate. Blessed are the desperate. Blessed are the people for, for blessed are the desperate for food and for opportunity and for respite. And blessed are the people for, who are desperate for the kingdom of God that is drawing near. Not everyone is the first, my friends. Not all of us are desperate for food and for emotional support and for financial security. Not all of us are the first, but every single one of us can be the second. And if you're wondering how you can be desperate for God's kingdom when you have everything you could ever want in this world, then I have only one suggestion for you and for me, and that is for us to match Jesus' urgency, Over and over again in scripture, Jesus teaches the disciples and the crowds and us that the nature of the kingdom of God, the nature of the kingdom of God is urgent. It is like a thief in the night, he says. The nature of the kingdom is like a flood that pummels the house. The nature of the kingdom of God is like a woman who is relentless and single-minded and finding what is lost. The nature of the kingdom of God is like the disciples who drop their nets and follow Jesus in the same breath. The nature of the kingdom of God is coming near. Now, not in five minutes, not in a week or so, not in a year, not when we're ready for it. The nature of the kingdom of God is urgent. We often hear Christians and Christian leaders lament the state of the world in the name of God over this and that and the other. Kids these days, it used to be, the good old days, all that stuff. And I'll tell you right now, I don't have any time for that. But I do think that if there is one thing, one place where we as modern day Christians are at risk of missing the mark of the good news of the gospel, it's not in some political stance It is in our lack of urgency. It is in our subtle belief that as long as we are good people and as long as we are moral to the best of our ability and as long as we are holding our lives in balance, working hard, loving our families, attending to to take care of our faith, then we will make ourselves acceptable to God. But friends, that's not the case. God isn't interested in your balancing act. God isn't, interested in you taking everything in dosable pieces. What God is interested in is the good news, which is that we be completely desperate for the kingdom of God breaking into our lives, not just when we get to heaven, but now. Friends, you don't have to do that balancing and juggling act You don't have to get it all right in order to be accepted by God and loved by God wholeheartedly just as you are. You can throw it all off onto God. All that stuff that you are carrying and balancing on, you can get rid of it. And God wishes that you would. You can surrender it all to seek the kingdom of God now with urgency. And if you do that, if you and me urgently seek the kingdom then you don't have to wait to get to heaven to find it. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Friends, the kingdom of God can be offered to you now in your life, in the lives of others, everywhere you turn. If only you will look for it. And don't miss it. And urgently get rid of all that balancing crud and surrender it all to god all right what will we do next sing let's go <laughs>